Welcome back. Here's where you left off. Spoilers ahead for Convergence Book 3, Chapters 8 through 11. Question is this to my friend Derek in front of me here. Did our prediction is correct regarding backstories? Well, it's it sort of was correct. I mean, we had the big reveal in Chapter 8, which was really dropped that sort of dropped the mic again. Uh, and <laughs> yes. it, it, it was kind of funny that there was a previous wizard and Isabel really it's, we get more information from Isabel than any, than Mike does. Mike is always, I can't tell you. I can't tell yeah, you. Isabel's yeah. like, okay, I'll just, I'll just tell you a little bit. She felt sorry. And, I think she felt sorry to, uh, to, to, uh, to Kaz regarding what's actually happening here. Cause she sees Kaz being frustrated Right, and Isabel finally gave him a, an olive branch to say, "Hey, what's up? This is the this is what's happening, right?" And um, I think it, it, I have this feeling she did she definitely did it by accident. It's not correct. It's it's not like she volunteered, but as soon as she he Chris is poking him, poking her, asking for more information, she finally she finally said something, right? And but she did deflect it back to Mike, right? She did deflect it back to Mike. I enjoyed the fact that this was sort of a big piece of information and, and, it, and it really explains why they're doing the things that they're doing, why they're so reluctant to give information to him because they've gone down this road before with another wizard, which explains why Mike is so hesitant. Cause in a way it's kind of like, Mike, are you, are you just being a jerk or, or are you really, Coming with from a perspective of caring, and we know that actually is he likes Kaz, and he just doesn't want him to turn into uh, they well they refer to Star Wars a lot in this like Darth yes. Vader basically. Yeah, he uh, the uh, the I the the best thing in my opinion not not my opinion but the whole thing I got this feeling you agree with this one regarding the the call sign of this wizard they found. Remember they found this wizard before Mike showed up, before Isabel showed up, before. Uh, Cash showed up. This wizard, they renamed his nickname was uh, Anakin, and it's sort of it's sort of yeah. a great nickname going into this because um, how they describe how Cass described Anakin is like he's a kid learned for learned magic, but ending up turning into the dark magic side. So sim- similar to 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 Anakin, and and that's how he described it, and it's sort of paints a picture of like of okay you have this wizard was they found him young guy learned magic knows magic turned to a bad guy now he's a baddie right but we don't know if that if anakin's still alive right but uh, it just brings up a lot of questions yes it brings yes. up so many questions of is this guy still alive i think based on the way that they reacted the answer would be no because the order doesn't have a wizard and Sirtis doesn't have a wizard, but it also brings back to the question of why Mike is so reluctant and were they involved in the events, which I think the answer was no. I think Mike said he wasn't around for that. No, he wasn't around. But, yeah. but, but something went down with that and it was so bad that Annie, who we still don't know who it is, uh, I keep on complaining about that. But, uh, <laughs> and so Annie was around for that. So we know that Annie was around for that time period, which also explains her hesitation to give him information. And as we learn later on, Azib sort of 
gratifies their statement because he says that, yes, you can, you know, dark magic is very easy to use and is usually used by wizards who are not that skilled. Oh, and by the way, Kez, you're not that skilled. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, uh, he, he. Yes, he's correct though. Like, there's actually a comment, and uh, I can't remember which chapter it was, but uh, it they he uh, as they literally told him that that you are powerful, you have powerful magic, you have a very powerful wizard, but you don't know how to control it. You don't know how to to manipulate it. You, you're so your power is so raw that. Uh, that you can your potential is there right you just need to harness it and it's sort of like it goes back to uh it goes back to a star wars thing again right it it, it felt like that that cast can be the next dark fader or the bat or 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 yeah dark fader he's literally can be the next dark fader he he compared himself to anakin and he's always mad he doesn't his parents died early all that stuff he went through all that he, he he's he's trying to tie in Anakin to himself, but uh, but Azid literally told him, "It's like you, there's one thing in common, one thing that you guys are not in common, or or you're not a bad guy, is you don't follow a type, of, you don't follow a god or a leader or, or a supreme being, because if you follow an asshole god, then you become an asshole, right?" He literally said that out loud. If you don't follow someone, you your your magic cannot be corrupt. Right, but if you have if you're following someone, it can corrupt you, and you can be a bad person. Right. Well, and the other problem is is that whoever this previous wizard was, what was his issue? Sir, I always have so many questions. What was his problem that he came out with uh, that turned him to the? Uh, we really should not keep on using Star Wars references here. I wonder why Craig did it. Does it make in his mind? Does it make it more relevant? I think it just tells that it's easier. Yeah, I think it's, it's just, just easier tells, yeah, to tells, relate to people. Yeah, yeah, it just tells a story because you can he's using Star Wars to relate to an event or a person or the audience knows about them knows that storyline. So I understand, well, but just, yeah, good I understand. versus evil. Yeah, it, it's just it kind of surprised me a little bit because that's the first time I found in his writing where he really ripped off something else so directly for his plot point. Yeah, he, and, he didn't and, rip it off. He just used an example. Let's just say that he didn't rip off Star Wars. He just uses as a this, well. As a, he, he's basing sort of the character, the previous wizard, on that Anakin. They actually named the character Anakin. Which, to be fair, if I was in Sirtis's place, I probably would have said the same thing because it kind of makes sense. So I'm not arguing about that. <laughs> just, <laughs> he made another example too. Though. If 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 the wizard was born evil, he can be Saruman, right? So he's going back to Lord of the Rings. He referred to Lord of the Rings several times in uh, in the last few, uh, in this uh, between uh, eight and eleven. There's a there's a good reference of uh, of uh, when Mike was um, so not Mike sorry Kaz was explained to to Michelle. The FBI agent, aka nicknamed Scully, uh, she, he said that uh, um, uh, if you have, you can. She, he told Michelle to look for uh, to look for um, Hartwell artifacts. Whoever buy Hartwell artifacts, there's a good chance that person is a is a, is part of the order. And he, he, this is when he started explaining that hey, there's a good chance that some of those artifacts has a. Pre-programmed magic. That's when they start freaking out. So, what do you mean pre-programmed magic? It's like a programmer. It's like, next thing he he explained that no, it's not. It's like the Lord of the Rings when when uh, Grad Gradio 
I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that name correctly, uh, gave Frodo this uh, thing like a flashlight, right? It's like he doesn't need to know magic. He just have to turn it on. It's the same thing of uh, the same thing that uh, he was trying to convey to Michelle that look for Hartwell artifacts. If you find it, find out who's buying it. There's a good chance that person can be linked back to the order and they're using that to turn on magic, right? Like a flashlight. You should turn it on. It's, you don't need to be magical to, to have it on. Right. Well, so. what I find really interesting was, and we had a lot of Azeeb in here. I love when the characters give additional information, and Azeeb really gave us a lot in his conversation about Atlantis. Yes. And yes. talking about the because I mean we talked about Star Wars. I mean we're just talking about cultural references that he've made, and the cultural references were Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlantis. Yeah, uh, there was there was one related to what was it? I have to look at my notes there to take a look for it. But but basically, Michelle keeps on uh, being concerned that Kaz is involved in an event at a power substation. Yes, and that's really where we started off the chapter in chapter eight. And the 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 interesting thing is, is that she's not trying to blame him. But really, do we know if if Azib's assertion is correct? And this is was done by it. We'll say a god, or I'll say specifically Apophis. Yeah, no, th- that's a very good uh, good, good uh, segue there. The, the at the beginning of chapter eight, as you said, there is there's there's an event happened. There was a uh, um, uh, there was a substation that uh, that blew up or whatever. And uh, the reason why Michelle ended up contacting um, Kaz because. The only explanation they have on this explosion is not because something exploded. The reason why she called, because one of the technicians literally said, if this is not an explosion, this is not created by an explosive, it could be magic. That's when she started freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, is this Cass issue or this is a bomb terrorist issue, right? So it becomes like, she, she. this is the thing that I'm having trouble um, understanding Michelle's thinking on 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 this magic thing that she contacted Kaz asking, did you do it? It's like, no, I didn't do it. Now, next thing you know, she's like, well, if, if I have no choice, I have to tell people that it is magic. And Kaz literally told that, told her, it's like, if you do that, you're going into a padded room, right? They're going to drug drug her up because you're going crazy, yeah. right? Well, or I mean, her her the question is, you know, she's doing the scully thing. Right, it really is a Scully reaction to it. She doesn't want to believe it, but she's I'm going to do my job. It really does have that Scully character feel to it when you're thinking about it. And I agree with you completely. It's that I understand you want to get the bad guy, but Kaz is not the bad guy. And yeah, it might be magic, but he's going to have to go and check it out, right? Yeah, no, she, and she has a right to investigate, but if she's trying to do the Scully thing, like the um, uh, the Scully thing, X File thing, if you look at this whole story and the whole world of of convergence, that magic does not exist. She like Isabel referred to non magical people or non believer magical muggles, right? If if, oh, that was great. That was great. Now we're in Harry Potter. Yeah. So we that was the other. That was the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, Harry, Harry Potter, Potter yeah. was the other. Why didn't I come up with that? That was funny. Yeah, but he was saying that uh, if she told her supervisor or her leader, her leadership, her boss, it's like, yeah, this is great by magic. It's like, why is she planning to go in front of people, thinking that magic does not exist, telling her it's magic? 
she should know that if she says something like that, she will get in trouble or she will be put somewhere else. She's already being referred as the art cop, right? So for her to go in front of her boss and say, this is magic, it's kind of like she's putting herself in the corner and no one's going to believe her. And now she's going to be ousted as an FBI agent because she believes in, quote unquote, magic, right? Yeah, I mean, like... She, this just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why she, she did this. She, I agree. And she's accepted that magic exists because she's seen it. So I would make the argument that as an FBI agent, she would use the resource that she has that no other FBI agent has, which is a magician. Uh, and and just, just be like, yo, man, a wizard, I mean. I mean a wizard, not a magician, a wizard. Use the wizard to go figure out what's going on and get herself a really kick-ass promotion after she's figured out what the heck is going on. Because to her mind, there's no way this is necessarily a terrorist issue. But if she could figure out what it is and explain it in a different way, then either she's helping everybody through Kaz or she's helping everybody catch a terrorist who might have done this this bad thing which we're pretty sure it was apophis but anyway what does it matter you're still protecting people why do you have to go tell your bosses about this i agree i agree it's like saying hey derek i'm gonna make this uh i'm gonna make this uh i'm gonna solve this uh this this crime using david copperfield they're gonna think that i'm losing my mind here although i think that's actually that might be well, I mean, I'm thinking more psychic here. I mean, because, I mean, if she goes to him and says, oh, I could prove a magician did this or or there's a, what do we call it, a, a magician terrorist who, who did this or something that fooled us all. That could, that could be plausible. They, it, they could it, get on board with that. It's like it's like the movie, Now You Can See Me. You know, do you, no, magi- now you yeah, can see me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, exactly, so exactly. If, 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 if she goes in front of that to her boss, she will not get promoted. She will get fired. Right. Again, we're just speculating here, but uh, for me, it's like using that as a bargaining chip. Say, like, if you don't help me, or if you don't tell me what's happening here, I'm going to tell my boss. It's like in your boss. And if I'm Kaz, the first thing you'll know, she even mentioned to to, uh, to Michelle, it's like don't do that. Don't think you're nuts, right? But if you uh, if if she does it anyway, it doesn't matter what Kaz says. She's she's going to lose her job, and that's why I'm kind of kind of like if she's using. I'm gonna tell people what you do for a living or what you can do as a as a negotiating tactic. She's gonna lose. It's a win win yeah. for Kaz, in my opinion. I I agree. I agree. That's that's definitely a win win for him. Although I gotta say, what really made me very interested was the ending of chapter eight and the beginning or the whole of chapter nine, where we get a lot of information that comes up. And that conversation between Mike and Kaz, where they keep on having the conversation and they talk specifically about Annie and how Annie went through uh, the, this time with um, Anakin, mm-hmm. and the, you know, and the fact that they had another wizard and Kaz is just sitting there gobsmacked about it. And then to pile on, we get Azib talking about Atlantis, and I'm sitting there thinking. Cass is having a really rough day here. <laughs> it's it's so much information that uh, that Cass has to go process, right? And he actually asks uh, Azid a very good question: What? How can, can you do? Is there evil magic? There's an 
it's a simple question, and 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 Azid literally told him, I was like, there is no such thing as evil magic. It's only evil people doing magic, right? And he actually asked the same questions, like he reposted questions, like, okay, is there a magic that evil people after they switch only uses? He said there is that it can corrupt the the the, the wizard, right? But if you're already, this is when we, we talked about if, but if you have an asshole as a as an asshole as god that you follow, it actually multiplies, right? And well, it's like it's like the the the, the corruption of the soul mm-hmm. is sort of permanent based on what Aziz said, and we know that it for a wizard that craves power, but isn't able to have the skill to get the kind of power that they want. This is the easiest way for him to get it, which is sort of what Abzib said, right? Yeah, then that's when he said that uh, the, the, your power is raw, your power, your powers are 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 powerful, right? But you don't have to which control explains, it. Yeah, explains why. W- which explains why Mike and Isabel are so hesitant. Yeah, because they've seen his him. power. Yeah, because as an outsider, like for example, if I see Kaz doing magic, and it's all, it's like, it's like. If I'm gonna turn, if I'm gonna turn on a light bulb, I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna use every single power in the world to turn on this light bulb, and the light bulb, light bulb explodes. It's similar. It's literally what it is. Is it's what's happening to to Kaz when he even just do magic. He uses all this raw power to do something small, right? And uh, I just noticed that now that uh, throughout book one, book two, and right now all the way to book ele- uh, chapter eleven, book three, there's always an ongoing. Ongoing theme about him using powers. His how he uses power. How how powerful when he does things is just overwhelming, right? And 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 with that scenario, without Azid telling him that you you have this much power, that's when I think, in my opinion, my because uh, Kaz will start thinking, okay, I if I need to do something, do I need to use all of them? Can I just trickle stuff in? But the thing is, he even asks, can I can I need another wizard to tell me how to do this? Right, and unfortunately, there's no other wizard. This is when Star Wars to start coming back again, and he needs a he needs a master to tell him, tell the potty one how to use his magic, right? His powers. Same thing happening here because he's literally the only person left, theoretically, right? And no one's telling him how to harness it and how to use it properly. So he he's literally assembling something without an IKEA manual. Right. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, is I keep on thinking back to Mike and Kaz's conversation. And I think from Mike's perspective, if you think about it, and because because they dropped the previous wizard piece here, I think that I understand where Mike's hesitation is coming from. Think about it. So Kaz is a wizard. In the time that Mike has been with him, he's getting a gin. He's gotten uh, a cat from the nether who's who's really maltempered. He's gotten a dog that talks, and he has a demon vacuum. I mean, I don't know what the what Anakin did, but so far Kaz is racking up quite the little posse of magical people, and I can understand why Mike's a little concerned here. Yeah, I, 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 he's getting those extra people because he's getting them from the uh, from uh, another timeline, right? And our time uh, from the past, right? Um, I do want to talk about. Uh, I do want to go back to Atlantis and how it was explained to him. 
I think it's the best way to explain why the Atlantis does not exist in our world. And well, I actually love world. the I love the idea of Atlantis personally. Yeah. And so when he was talking about it, I sat up and said, "Okay, g- give me the info. I want to see how you how you write this out, Craig. I want to want to hear how it goes." So yeah, same here, same here. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 neat to be He's saying that Atlantis was made by gods, and it's actually a portal it's being held by gods from the nether into atlantis itself on earth let's just say earth real time or our world and um and the gods were there to support them uh, to put it there and people humans are going there to worship the gods right so it's still going back into the same uh, the same mentality as uh uh, Egyptian, uh, Greek gods and Roman gods, uh, mostly Greek gods, and um, and how he how the, how it was explained that uh, at that time the gods were together in peace, right? There's still bad, 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 there's still evil gods there, but mainly they're very peaceful. They're all working together, but uh, sometime some uh, sometimes in the past they start arguing, they start fighting from each other, and that's when the the humans are trying to uh, trying to freak out because Atlantis is falling apart. That's why they left, right? And some of them went to the Nether. Some of them left back to the our world, stayed in our world to to just just to hang out. And next thing you know, Atlantis just poof, it's gone because the portal closed, right? There's, that's why there's no there's no um, there's no evidence regarding uh, Atlantis being in our world, right? But in the Nether. Everything was there because the the stories were there. Everything was there. So when 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 Cass talked to Azid about Atlantis, that's when he started realizing what they're together. It's exactly the same thing what happened that we that that he knows regarding the stories about Atlantis here in in, in our world versus in the Netherworld. Netherworld, they're all the same, right? And that was a great explanation why Atlantis disappeared, right? And and and, and I totally enjoyed that uh, that uh, that. That storyline, right? You know, that that sort of a, um, a backstory of what it is, and it sort of ties in between the real uh, our world and the netherworld, right? There's always commonality there, right? I did. I enjoyed. I enjoyed how the explanation of how the worlds sort of pull apart, come together, the energy gets filled into the space, but yet it weakens over time because the worlds are pulling apart. And not even the gods can solve that problem. And so the destruction of Atlantis, in a way, was an inevitable thing because of just the separation of the worlds. And it gives it an interesting thing because, I mean, obviously Kaz talked about losing Atlantis in a day and our theories about Atlantis and so forth. But when we look at his explanation, in a way, it makes it more sense where it sort of just evaporated mm-hmm. because the magic was no longer there to hold it together. Yeah, And it was also a great explanation. It really was. Uh, and that there was not as many people there at the end and so forth because the magic had lessened. Uh, and it was an easy place for the gods to come together and sort of have a peace uh, and a portal on Earth that was easy for them to tra- traverse through. And so it, it makes me actually very interested in, because uh, that would predate Marduk, I think, and it would also uh, predate um, Azib. Yes. So, because uh, he said he he was only heard through rumors and so forth. So this we're talking very old stuff here, right? Yeah. And uh, I keep on coming back to my thought about when, like, because 
if I, I was thinking about this when I was reading these chapters, uh, when we get Duke back into the, the chapter, the next chapter, and Marduk has not been anywhere around. It's as if Craig has dropped the character of Marduk entirely and it's just Duke now. And I wonder if this is intentional or I wonder if Marduk has some more central role to play in a different sort of... It, I've always had the question, is Marduk evil or good? I don't know. It's just not a good explanation to that. Yeah, I think... Zeb is terrified of him. Yeah, I think he's dangling that storyline later on, I think. I think you're yeah, right. I think exactly. he's definitely dangling that. Like, I have this feeling that he's going to be a very pinnacle storytelling at the end. It's like, it's like, hey, I'm the... There's a good chance I'm a bad guy that you're not going to know until I become a bad... Until I announce myself, right? I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I do want to talk about uh, a couple of items in Chapter 10, this chapter ten, in my well, opinion. Well, before we get to chapter okay. ten, we got to talk about how chapter how chapter nine ended, where apparently after us receiving all of that information, mm-hmm. Kaz's reaction to all of this is, "Let's make Giselle." Snipe. Yes, yes. So sorry, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Tell, tell. Well, I just found it interesting that his reaction after talking the mic, going back to Isabel, is, "Let's make Giselle a sniper," and I thought. And even Isabel was like, that doesn't really seem like the best idea ever. You know, it takes years and years of training and to, to be proficient at that. And, you know, she's like, well, I could take her training, but having two girls at a sniper range alone is going to draw a lot of attention, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, it, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It, it was just an interesting, I always like the way that he's looking at the perspective that they're trying to stay undercover and not be noticed yet all the time they're being noticed. I always love that, that dichotomy of it. It's like, they're always being noticed by somebody. And it seems like it's very easy situation where some random order guys are just driving by and see a dog. Oh, that's them. You know, or Michelle's in a parking lot and says, Oh, look, it's, it's a guy with a young girl. It must be Kaz. Like he does these huge stretches, but, then they're always so concerned about getting caught by going to a range. I find that really interesting. Yeah, it, it's 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 kind of weird too. In the same time that uh, the Isabella already told him, if you if if we bring uh, Mike and uh, Macarius, Macarius has always a grill has a has a look that leave me alone, don't talk to us. And Mike has always been uh, mad, <laughs> you know. And it's nice as well too. But there's there's one conversation that Isabel talked to Mike about that uh, you mentioned that. Uh, Isabel literally called Mike his BS because my she says like are you telling me that you did you talk to um, Giselle to be trained or are you worried that you want her out of the way when stuff happens right and oh yeah no that's a really that good was great point. and yeah, the, and after that conversation Mike literally uh, sorry because Kaz is like yeah I just don't want her to be harmed right but Isabel already told um, Isabel told Kaz that. You know that alleyway incident that you guys had? Because Giselle is still pissed off that he she didn't kill the last person. She felt, and next thing you know, she's like telling him that she felt that Kaz is not the person that she's supposed to protect. It's right? an interesting. It's an interesting argument because uh, I I thought of this. I thought of it to be fair more about Macarius than Giselle, which seems very unfair now that the conversation been brought up because Macarius, he's very one dimensional and, but he's also a lot more vocal about his faith Mm -hmm. than Giselle is, but they both come from a time 
when their faith was everything. Yes, yes. And and so I totally understand where Isabel is coming from, and I agree. Plus, it also means that she's not going to be where her oath puts her. If she's 300 yards away and Kaz is in the middle of a battle and she's firing a sniper rifle, that's not where she made an oath to be. She made an oath to be by his side. So did Macarius. Yeah. Right? And this actually, that's a very good uh, good, uh, good thing to say because at the beginning of uh, chapter 8, he Macarius actually mentioned that uh, when Isabel and uh, Kaz was talking, Macarius literally says, like, uh, uh, Kaz, do not put your faith in people who doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't believe the non-believers. And that's when uh, that's when 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 that came out, I kind of started thinking, I was like, there's a good chance that Macarius will be will be put in a, posi- a, a situation that uh, he has to choose between Kaz and what he believes in. Because you can see that throughout the, the, the for, for the past eleven chapters, he's he's already hinting that he does not believe Cass is the person he's there to protect. He's having but doubts. What he has, but but what he had was what I would call blind faith. Whereas I always felt like Giselle had a little more of retrospection in her faith, which this actually shows that they're basically the same in the sense of how they view their faith, which. To, to be fair, was was an assumption that I had made. But with Macarius, I agree that that he his view on faith, that that will come to a head. But he has a blind faith. So he will always, I believe, he will choose his, the, his faith to protect him, but he will do his duty first. And I think that's where also Giselle is upset because she was doing her duty by killing those guys, protecting Kaz. And in her mind, she failed her duty. And that's where the conflict is coming from inside of her. But there's, but for the past like two books and, um, and, and always chapter 11, they, uh, what if I'm, what if I've been reading throughout the whole thing is like, there's, there's, they've been questioning it. They've been questioning it. Is this the person that we're supposed to follow or another person? Right, and and for for putting that doubt to the to the to the audience, in my opinion, that gives that um, that hint that uh, this two people or one of them will turn in and says, "Why am I following you? You are you failed every single yes, yes, yes. moment." But that but that's right. interesting because that is a test of their faith. Yes, yes, I agree. So again, I go back to they are fanatical faithful that is a test of the faith that isn't a test of cas that's a test of their faith but if and their yes, faith fail we, it, 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 no, no i hey i mean people's faith fail a lot and for various reasons and i agree it's a great story arc but it also opens up to the fact that they could also portray cas mm-hmm. that's a terrible thought it is but if if their faith is broken and it's their identity which is their faith, especially for Macarius, as far as I could tell, that would be a terrible situation. And there could be, because you and I know that Craig likes to do large arcs with characters, and he's not above either killing a character off or really twisting a character into something else. And so it's something I have in the back of my mind thinking is, will this happen? It's the same thing for me too, because after that comment from Macarius, I'm like, okay, 
I have a feeling that one or both of them will be like, you know what? Let's just get out of here because this is not going the way that the, we we expect it to be. This is we're we're following a non potentially we're following a non-believer, right? And that is a bad thing throughout uh, through throughout the whole thing. And I'm I'm, I'm I can't wait to see what's going to happen next, right? So it, it's it's going to be interesting. It it is, and so I mean, going into going into chapter ten. I call it the Azib chapter because it's really all of it. Yeah. So uh, can we talk about the cafe? The cafe, to my opinion, was a great break of like seriousness to something funny. So it was a beautiful day. They decided to go to a cafe, an outdoor cafe. So Duke arrived, but he kept Azid uh, boots and uh, Mr. Clean at the house because, you know, they don't want to walk around with a cat and a gin and a vacuum cleaner. So, understandable. So, they went to the restaurant, uh, the cafe, to sit outside because it's a beautiful day. And Duke literally asking, what can I eat here? So, so they're looking at the menu. Boots wants to read the menu. And they realize that Boots, no, not, not Boots, sorry, Duke wants to see the menu. And they forgot, and they realize that book, Boots can read. So he read the whole thing and said, and and Kaz literally asked him, he's like, what do you want to eat? Yes, all. All of it. All of it. He wants to eat everything. He's like, no, you can't eat everything. You'll get sick. He's like, you're going to vomit because the car, you're going to vomit inside the car. That's when he says like, okay, noted. I'll vomit outside the car before I go in. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. No issues there. But the biggest one is the, um, is, uh, is the conversation with them regarding uh, what he can and cannot eat and how, and I quote, Anything I can eat will be will be fairly disappointed. So he literally just get him like a, a a burger without anything that can kill a dog, and his reply back is like, "I will eat this, but I know that I'm eating this. That's everything else is disappointing, disappointed." I I I'm eating my disappointment. <laughs> I'm eating yeah, my disappointment. And and he said that like, well, if you're paying for this, why can I not eat all of it? Because I'm paying for it anyway. And it kind of logically, it makes sense that if a menu's there, why can why why is a menu has to be multiple choice? Can we just order everything, right? That's a little for me. Just that was just nice to take a break until they go to to Zahid, uh, so to Azid, going to the grocery store store with Mike, and while he's eating a Slim Jim. Right, and Mike Lear, uh, the Gazette, uh, sorry, I keep I'm screwing up names now. Uh, Azid. Eating the Slim Jim, Kaz walked towards him with a phone in his ear, thinking so. He, so when he talks to to Azid, people are thinking he's talking the phone, right? And he literally asked him, "Was like, what are you doing? People can see you." It's like, no, no one can see me. I choose for people not to see me. You can't see me, but no one yeah. else can see I, me. I choose. I yeah. choose when people do see me. Yeah. So he's always invisible. Yeah, and that's when he realized that. Uh, so there is an invisible cloak. No one can see the slim gym. But when he dropped the slim gym wrapper, that's when he realized, oh crap! You should pick that up because people can see that now, right? And after all the hoopla, they went back to the car, and 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 Kaz literally asked a simple question. Can you extend your force field around an item? Like, like for example, a Slim Jim is like, yes, but a certain amount only. So he used the phone, he used other things to see if he can disappear or not. That's when he says, yeah, I can make everything disappear around me, but only a certain amount. There's a finite, finite amount that I can do it before, before I get tired or whatever, right? And um, they went back to the house. Mike got excited. He started experimenting new things, and that's when uh, that's when the that's when Aziz Lear told him like, 
if I get distracted, I forgot it's there, it will show up. Then there's more problems. It takes, dude. It takes a lot of con- concentration to get it to extend. I do like Mike's reaction. He's like, there's so many tactical advantages to this. Can you hide a gun? And that's like the first thing Mike gets him to try to hide. And my first thought was, okay, you just gave Azib a gun? Like, <laughs> probably unloaded, but still, I mean, that wasn't the best idea, you know? Uh, but it, it's interesting. It gives us a very specific sense of how big Azib is and how much he can push out the sphere, which isn't that much, might be about six inches at most um, in circumference, maybe. Uh, so that's not that much. I mean, it can't even completely um, hide a handgun. So we know that it's not a large amount. Although I was going to ask you, how long is a Slim Jim? Because it's about ten that, inches. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was ten I was inches, wondering yeah. about that. I was like, if I was thinking about this whole six inch circumference and the end of the Slim Jim would be hanging out of the bottom, I would think. But anyway, I, I, I think that's I'm why just he's eating it fast. <laughs> if he can swallow yeah, yeah. the whole thing in one shot, I think he can do definitely do that. But yeah, it, it's it's very interesting that Mike uses it as a, a tactical advantage, as you said. But at the same time, too, it gives the idea of uh, of of. Of Azid, actually, it enforces that Azid can be very. He can get distracted very fast. I call it the the yellow marker syndrome. If you show a yellow marker to a dog, they're like, "Ooh, ooh, look at that! Something shiny." Same thing for Azid. He it, he he can get get he can get distracted very fast, and he can lose that invisibility, right? And people can see him, right? And this is when he started explaining to. Uh, to uh to Kaz is like how he got his invisibility is it based on a gin is it a natural thing for a gin to have or if someone gave it to him or he got cursed on it so this is when he explained that uh, a wizard gave it to him right so that's when he's like well you've been sleeping for a while now it's like how how does it maintain like do you recharge it or anything like that and it's like yeah i can re- i have to get it recharged once in a while but normally it stays with me for the whole time Right, that's when cats start thinking. It's like I can put a force field around me, right? But I, I have to keep giving it uh, power over and over again. That's and and Zid says like, no, you can use energy around you to do it for you, so you don't have to do it for do it all the time, right? And it's sort of like it gives it a little bit more or, or more like uh, an epiphany to him. It's like, hey, if I know how to do this, I don't have to keep using all this power to do one thing. I can do multiple things, right? It, it makes it interesting because there's two different types there that Azib describes, and his shield is the recharging piece. And so my question is, where does he get... Because I don't think that he is the person recharging that field every time. Uh, because he said that a wizard has to initiate the spell. He cannot do it himself. And I kind of, my thought went back to Mardok. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, my immediate thought went back to Mardok of Mardok created this invisibility piece. And it makes sense if you want to have a gin around you and not have anybody see him but you. That's right? a good theory. Uh, very, very good it, theory. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and so uh, I, I think that uh, Azib's powers, in a way, are more of sensing magic because he's always threatening to destroy everyone. But I don't really think his power is that. He's very sensitive to magic, but he's not really able to wield magic in a significant way 
that I think impacts a lot of people, other than apparently summoning a demon, which sort of comes up in the next little part of the chapter here, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the ending of the chapter 10 going to chapter 11, because this is kind of interesting. It makes me think that uh, that Boots is another thing happening. So at the end of chapter 10 going to chapter 11, um, Kaz uh, followed Boots down the stairs to the kitchen and found out that Mr. Boots, the cat, was making a pentagon. Right, and when Cass asked him, saying, "What are you doing?" He swiped it, but he only swiped the top part. And asked Boots, "Why are you doing this and all that stuff?" And this is when uh, this is when he realized that Boots is kind of like a dick, <laughs> uh, kind of a bad guy. So uh, I think you have to uh, to censor that, buddy. <laughs> but um, he um, he literally said to uh, to to the cast that uh, I want to protect Giselle because Giselle's faith is not going to be enough to protect herself, right? And at the same time, too, that um, I don't normally say, I don't normally hang around with with uh, uh, demons. That's why I have, that's why I have to make this so I can protect myself. And Kaz asked him, what, are you only protecting yourself? It's like, yes, I'm not the one who brought the demon here. And to be honest with you, that makes sense. That makes a hundred percent make sense, right? And um, and and it's kind of like in a point that I think Boots sees it that I'm sick and tired of this craziness. Why do I have to 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 put myself in danger if I don't have to? Right. Well, I also come back to his oath to protect. Kaz, but it's interesting as you say that he mentioned only Giselle and not Kaz. Yeah. If I was Kaz, I'd be like, hey man, I'm the one you took the oath to, not Giselle. I mean, maybe she gives you all the snuggling you want, but I'm the guy that has the oath here. But I agree. I, I think Mr. Boots has always been a bit of a self-serving person, personality, and that's his survival piece. That's how he is. I do believe, because we talk about his family, talk about his people, that he's going to be a much more pivotal character in the books to come simply because at some point when the nether comes through or whenever we have apophis come through i assume his people are going to be some uh, group of people or characters that are going to be prevalent because he wants to get back to them and the real question is is that do we believe his explanation of how he came through in the first place and why he came through and I think Boots always has secrets, and he's not going to give those secrets up very easily. No, no, he's. Uh, you have to work on it. They have to work on uh, getting the information that they need from him. I have this feeling that he is the. Uh, he has magic. I have this feeling he has magic. He knows how to use a pentagon, but the, he 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 said that uh, he found out that magic in the Nether does not translate very well in the in their world in the new in uh, in the human world. So that's when he realized, like, yeah, now now I know why it didn't work, right? So it just gives you it gives you an idea of like it's opening a brand new uh, potential storyline and saying that hey, Boots might have powers, right? So we'll see we'll see what's going on after that. So well, then we have sort of we come back from the beginning of chapter eight to the end of chapter eleven to the natural progression of us going to help Michelle out to look at this site to see if uh, there is a problem, if, if it was magic. And so we get everybody in the car and 
again, Duke has his moment to go and dig up this trail camera that we've heard of before that is on the spot of the original portal opening. And I, I do like I do like the way that they handle this. And Duke is like, I'm a dog. You got to let me be a dog. My character's yeah. motivation <laughs> is as a dog. You got to let me do that. Yeah, if I'm yeah. going to dig a hole... You gotta let me dig the hole the way I want it, where yeah. the way a dog would dig the hole, and I did like that. He's a method actor. Remember that. He is yes, a method yes, actor. a method actor. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So what they did is like they they went to the hardware store. They grabbed materials to to uh, to replicate what's actually happening on the site, right? So they put a pole. They put a camera there. So they're trying to figure out if Duke can actually knock down the camera. Right, and that's when they that's when um when Mike and Kaz are talking about it. Uh, Duke ended up running around trying to try chase a mice, a field mice. That's when he realized that Mike finally realized that, like, why not just make Duke dig that hole, right? And next thing you know, like, you know what? That's a good idea. So they went to the field. They went, went, they went back to the uh, to the, the side of the portal. Duke ended up doing a couple of things that, in my opinion, was great acting. He Ran through the ran through the through the river, covered himself in mud and dirt, pretending he's playing around, fooling around in the field, pretending chasing a mouse, going into the into the where the camera started digging the post, took a break because it's taking too long, so I took a break and did it again, knocked the uh, the camera down, in a in a way that the camera's facing down, and that's when he that's when I realized that's when that's when Duke says like. There you go. I'm the dog, man. I'm the dog. So <laughs> they start figure out uh, what's actually happening on site, and this is when I this is when I start getting very interested and can't wait to go past chapter eleven, going to chapter twelve or for our next episode. That that uh, when when Kaz asks Azid, "Do you see anything?" He said, "No, I don't see anything." But he ending up reaching out in his senses to find out what's happening that's when he ran away as he just literally i'm out of here i'm i don't want to be here and 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 kaz literally uses senses as well too that okay i feel something i don't know what it is but i feel something so he started looking around with his senses and he point he looked at straight to the the portal and he's like i don't see anything here but as soon as he goes off access just slightly to the side he starts seeing tentacles coming out, right? And as and Azid and um, and Cass are talking and saying, "What do you see? What? Why is it? And why does it look like it's tentacles?" Mike starts freaking out. By the way, and he started explaining. He's like, "No, it's not a tentacle. It's like a power reaching out from the Nether, trying to anchor him, uh, anchor itself to the to our world, so he can open a portal." Right, and um, and they had to explain that oh, without the portal, without without an anchor, they can open the portal, so we'll be fine. It's safe to be here, but if you have sensitivity to magic, this is going to be very very uncomfortable for you. But there's a, there's a, a couple of sentences that came out in this chapter and at this part section of this chapter saying that the Mike actually ended up zipping up his jacket because he felt cold. It actually goes back to the beginning of la- of uh, the last chapter when he closed the portal. Sorry, the last book that uh, it felt cold, right? It feels like the heat is being removed from the uh, from the air, right? So uh, Mike zipped up his coat and it's like it doesn't really can do anything. So let's get out of here. But first, let's go modify the camera and leave. But the last couple, I think it's the last couple of pages of this chapter. It says that uh, that uh, the the um, the 
the the tentacles is coming out to reach him, it felt like there's there's intelligence. It felt like there's something else is controlling it, right? And that's where I end the chapter. So, yeah, I, I I did like that. I, I my my question is though, is that technically this is Kaz's fault because okay his his desire to send back the dragon. He opened this portal, mm-hmm. and yes, he closed it. But apparently, we're learning now that it didn't fully get closed. So by making that decision, which nobody was on board about sending this dragon back, by the way, nobody was on board about that. He's opened the door for magic to come back through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So, so it's, like, fault. It's, it's like fault. It, it, it's it's and I I know, but here here's the interesting part. I wonder if Mike's hesitation or more specifically Annie's hesitation would be about that act, about the act of intentionally opening up a portal under the, well, what they would see as under the guise of sending the dragon back. Right. And they're worried that his interaction with the magic would bring him to, we'll, we'll just say the dark side. Why don't we just go there? Yeah. The dark yeah. side. Yeah. Okay. With that said, I'm going to ask you a very simple question here. Okay. Do you believe or do you agree on Cass's decision to return the dragon? Or do you agree with Mike's uh, suggestions just to kill it? What, if you're in that position, what would you do? Would you just kill the dragon so you won't open the portal? Or you want to do, be a good Samaritan and just uh, bring back the, the dragon back to the portal? And in return, getting Mr. Boots. Think about that. What what would you do? What if if you've been put in that position? Would you return the dragon, or would you kill the dragon? Well, it's like anything. I mean, I think has the decision to return the dragon makes sense, but the consequences of doing that seem to be more dire than he ever anticipated. Which is also goes back to Azib's point of you are so ignorant, you don't know the extent of your ignorance, because he opened the door for both. Mr. Boots to come in, and he also opened the door for uh, the uh, the Apophis to potentially get a foothold. And so I think over the next few chapters, we're going to see those consequences come to fruition. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you for opening the book with us today. Subscribe so you won't miss our next episode. Join the conversation and let our team know what you think about today's episode. Email us at yourbookmarksinfo at gmail.com. Join us again right here where you left off.